Hey, I'm Ruben from Dub. Welcome to Connection Loop, our actionable podcast about building businesses with daily human connections. Connection Loop features long form interviews with fascinating people in sales, marketing, and beyond. Enjoy today's episode and learn more about Dub at dub.com. And we are live. Hey guys, this is Ruben Dua from Dub's podcast, Connection Loop. Today I'm with Gino and we're going to talk about this idea of remote, remote sales for life. Okay. So work-life balance is now a thing of the past. We're just living our lives right now. So Gino, if you could just give me a little bit of a bio on yourself, a little bit of context, and then let's jump into the topic. Yeah. So I've been in tech sales for about 15 years and, um, I didn't really turn to remote until five years ago when a private equity firm moved me down to Argentina. Uh, they did their research. They knew there was a bunch of expats there. So they wanted to me to hire, train remote expats on how to sell into the U.S. So, um, you know, inside sales, a lot of times don't see any clients. So it was an interesting concept. I wanted to live abroad selfishly. So I was like, sign me up. Let's do six weeks. And that ended up turning into two years. Mm. And what did you learn in the process? Yeah, I mean, all things considered, you know, Argentina's on Eastern Standard Time for the most part. I, I learned that whether you were located in New York City or you were in Buenos Aires, if you're an inside salesperson, you it's irrelevant, honestly. Um, if you have the same tool stack, which we did, and the same training, which I hope I brought, uh, you can be a very efficient, fully remote salesperson. And fast forward so much time now, and now now this is just our, our standard now. Uh, you know, for a lot of people, this has been the most comfortable thing and most most natural thing to just run sales in a remote fashion. You know, for other other people, they they miss the water cooler, they miss the big whiteboard, they miss the bookshelf with the Zig Ziglar books in it. Um, you know, what what do you say? What do you say the uh, you know to the folks that that are kind of struggling? With the trends, I hope I was people, you know, what's your best advice for people kind of transition? Yeah, I mean, if I for anyone struggling, the fact is a sales pit provides an environment, it's a learning environment. It's a firsthand experience environment. You learn from those around you. Um, the, no, the number one thing I would say to anyone that is struggling in a remote first is you're going to have to invest in some sort of documentation and learning. So individuals that are ramping up, so individuals that are struggling have an environment to learn from. And I'll give just one small example. Um, we didn't used to have forced power hours every day with some of my clients but we actually do that now. So everyone can hear everyone else on the phone. We pick a random hour each day. We jump around from morning to afternoon to end of day. And it's a chance for everyone to hear everyone else on the phone, hear their struggles, et cetera. So um, I, I would say adjusting. So first and foremost, the, if, the, if the water cooler is gone, and let's just say it is, um, you got to adjust for things you didn't do before. So how, what are other ways you can have transparency and visibility? To, so those struggling can see what those not struggling are doing. Um, we also have team one-on-ones now. Our, our SDR teams for my clients never had one-on-ones SDR to SDR. 
we actually now have those. I recommend them. You know, everyone kind of takes my advice differently as a consultant, but uh, we now recommend that SDRs have sessions one on one where they tell each other what's working, what's not. You essentially, we put up a bunch of walls. You know, like how 20 years ago, when I, uh, 15 years ago, excuse me, when I started in tech, I had a cube. And then it was like innovative to tear down the cube and everyone works at these like open air desks and everyone hears each other. Uh, remote put up even bigger walls and now we have to find ways to tear them down. Mm. Now, I know historically there's been a, a very kind of competitive vibe when it comes on the sales floor, you know, in, in sales departments. And, you know, it's unfortunate because I, I truly believe that when balance is achieved um, and the the correct kind of brand vibe is, is getting put out there backed by an operational workforce, I feel like rising tide raises all boats. And, uh, you know, when one person's winning, they're learning, they're sharing their learnings. The problem always is the is in the incent incentives. You know, are people getting our sales leaders uh, getting incentivized to train and to help other sales folks as they as they learn the ranks? So what is what is your take on that? How do you how do you kind of enable that sort of team vibe versus uh, me vibe? Yeah, this is going to sound horribly selfish, but it's actually reward the right behaviors. If in a sales world, if you're you know commission based, let's just call it half base, half OTE, um, reward the right behaviors. If, if you expect so as a leader, my base in OTE is based on my team's performance. So I hope no leader needs that. Uh, motivation. But if, if they are, I mean, I would say, you know, maybe look in the mirror on what leader you hired. I, I would hope a leader doesn't need that. I do face that problem where some SDRs or even some AEs are saying, hey, I got hired to hit a quota, not to train, you know, newbie one, two, and three over here. Um, but if you incentivize them uh, to do so, uh, you'd be amazed what people can achieve and where they show their interest. So you can have collective team goals. You can, uh, you know, I, you know, little things like $500 gift card for whichever of the two teams makes the most dials in a week. Um, essentially, if I had to sum it up, uh, reward the behaviors you want. And even if it's not a, a monetized reward, you can actually just publicly praise someone on Slack for do, going above and beyond, even though we're all adults and, you know, it's, it's, it's different than like a child. But sincerely, if you look at it kind of high level, it's sometimes the same. Some people, sometimes people just want recognition for going above and beyond. And they don't actually actually need to tie a dollar amount um, to doing it. So I, I would say create a culture, and it's easier said than done, but create a culture that rewards the right behaviors, not just the results. Um, the number one mistake I see of newer startups uh, in general is they reward the results, not the work being done. And that creates a gap where now we praise the people that are putting up the results. We don't pay the, praise the work being done. And there just becomes a gap where they don't get rewarded for the right behaviors. And then they don't realize that actually leads to a lack of results. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes sense to me. I mean, I think another another issue that I've struggled with my my entire career as a marketer, as a as a product technologist, is this idea that different departments have very different goals. You know, for marketing, it might be, you know, marketing qualified leads. And for sales, it could be sales qualified leads. And for product, it could be you know, the tech that they're building, the roadmap and whatnot. And, you know, all of these metrics ultimately drive to to revenue, you know, and hopefully recurring revenue. And, uh, you know, what, that's this has been one of my one of my biggest kind of challenges is that people are rewarded for different things and it lacks 
a, a, a unity, I think. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, w- what's your take on that? How do we how do we solve that problem? I mean, a lot of folks say MQLs are dead now. It's all about qualified sales leads and, you know, driving revenue. What is what is your take on all this? Everything's dead at some point. Phones are dead. Emails are dead. M4 water water coolers are dead. Water coolers are dead. <laughs> Everything's dead. Uh, no, but seriously, so uh, I'll give you an example. And it's, it's a real example. Uh, Drift, right? Marketing tool, but manned usually by SDRs. I had a client that had SDRs struggling to log into it. And literally, they're like, what would you do? And I was like, this is super simple. Just offer $1,000 to whoever's on there the most hours. Don't display the hours. Tell everyone at the end of the month, Whoever logs the most hours gets $1,000. The, the team went from logging two hours a week to averaging eight and a half to nine hours a week. I mean, someone as high up as you in marketing, you know darn well that eight SDRs now working at eight and a half, 10, nine hours, et cetera, versus for $1,000, this, this paid dividends 100X. Um, so long story short, there's, there's multiple ways to get the teams to sync. I, one of my most... Uh, commonly used quotes, and I don't even know if it's mine, I just claim it as mine. I probably read it somewhere and and borrowed it. Uh, But what is a marketing sales and sales dev always overlap, when and how they overlap is the difference of just okay and fantastic startups. So um, I I really think the answer to your question is breaking down all the ways the communication barriers are broken um, and essentially finding out where the gaps are. If, for instance, and I'll, I'll use your MQL example, a low scoring MQL often gets neglected by SDRs. They see it, oh, it's a Gmail, oh, uh, I don't really get a lot of money off these, these are a waste of my time. If you start to realize these gaps and identify them with even just dashboards in your CRM, just identify all the holes in your funnel, or not holes, I should say leaks in your funnel, and just as a leader, it's your job to pay attention to these. If money comes from the Gmail, even though they converted a lower percentage and my team in sales dev is neglecting it, I owe it to you. I owe it to Ruben to make sure my team is turning over every stone of every MQL. Yeah, well, I think you brought up some really good points with, with respect to lead scoring and, and just ha- having historical things. I mean, the classic, you know, oh, it's a Gmail, Yahoo, Earthlink lead. Bah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Whereas, you know, I, I think about this a lot because... When people are ready to invest into tech and invest into into themselves or their business, they're not afraid to put their contact information in there. Here's my phone number. Here's my work email. I would love to have someone contact me. Whereas if they're mystery shopping and just kind of kicking tires, they, they do the Gmail thing. They do the Yahoo thing. And then we all kind of know what, what happens. Of course, you never know when that gold is going to show up. You know? Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, so I mean, it's like you're a fly on the wall in half the calls I have every week. Uh, I not not a fight, but like a respectful disagreement. Excuse me. Uh, my CMO wanted to allow any email for a free trial, two weeks, and I basically said, "You got to give something to take something. Like if you're not requiring a credit card, give me a work email, or if you don't want a work email, give me some sort of like questionnaire. Give me something. If I'm giving you two weeks on our software, no questions asked." You got to give me something. And the disconnect was misalignment between our quotas. His quota was number of trials. Yeah. My quota is ARR. I, do I blame this person? I'm not going to name him. I, I love this person. So I'm not, even, I'm not even outing them. I'm saying that this goes back to my original. If you have a CEO setting quotas that vary 
team to team and they don't recognize where they overlap and, and cause friction. Uh, again, if my CEOs, if a CEO of one of my clients is listening, I'm not calling you out. Uh, but, but just in general, that that's a problem. And you need to understand all the all the uh, alignment and overlap between the three departments. Yeah, so well said, man. I mean, I, it's it's ex that's exactly what 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 I was talking about before. Where we all have different goals, you know, we all have different goals, and you know, ultimately, what is it that we're driving? We're we're driving the long term sustainability of the business, you know. And there's so many things that that lead to that, whether it's trials or whether it's you know free signups or accounts or form fills or webinar registrations. You know, I, I, I'm the first to say that, uh, you know, I think we all could do a better job at that, me included, uh, to just make sure that goals are aligned, you know? Absolutely. Uh, and, and I think that it kind of taps back to your earlier comment about, you know, having data, having transparency, having walls getting getting broken down, frankly. I mean, one of, one of my other kind of rants is that sales and marketing from a technology perspective are historically very disparate uh, systems. You know, you've got your CRM, you've got your Salesforce, you got this, and then you've got your marketing automation system. And, you know, thank goodness for some of the companies that have fused those together and said, now, nah, well, it's everything, you know, and, you know, Dub as a software platform, as a CRM and as a video communication platform, we've taken that inspiration to say, you know what, we have to be more than just one thing. And that's been our, our inspiration. Uh, you know, the thing that the thing that I'd like to ask you about is from a psychological perspective, how do sales folks now see marketers and, and vice versa in this kind of very remote environment, generally speaking, of course? Yeah, so they unfortunately feel more disconnected to ever than ever, excuse me. Uh, and honestly, platforms like Dub, I think, are, are positioned really well to take over. Anything that can humanize the selling process is a huge, huge plus right now. Um, kind of pulling myself all the way, and I'll, I'll, I promise I'll answer your question, but pulling myself all the way back to the start, uh, remote for life, what I'm seeing is the cream is rising to the top and not in a negative way. The top SDRs are proving all I was doing, making them come into an office, was waste an hour and a half of commute. Mm. They're accountable. They are holding themselves to higher standards. They actually will put their laptop on, the, you know, watching a Netflix half, half engaged. They'll put their laptop and bang out some extra emails at night. What we're actually seeing is a true meritocracy forming where a, a, a really high quality SDR doesn't necessarily need, you know, the, the director of dev, which is okay. I don't, I, I know I get hired to, um, you know, maybe make someone that's below goal get to goal versus the rock star is the rock star. So kind of piecing that all back together, the, the people that are going to make it and really there is no more. Work, you know, you can't just show up to the office early and stay late. You are a number in a CRM at this point in terms of outside of your department. Mm. So it really comes down to your base and OTE versus what you produced. I know that sounds like heartless, but that's what I'm seeing at some early stage startups. It's, it's, and it makes sense. Um, so that's the answer for remote overlapping, how you can add your value, and then kind of answering your question. It's the people that are forcing in a good way to interact with marketing, giving feedback when it's not even asked. Hey, thanks for that new material. I loved it. I got this feedback on the email. So there's a, there's a, I mean, there's a hundred platforms for everything now, but there is still a gap for how SDRs and salespeople on the front line share their feedback with marketing. There is still a gap on what's being produced versus what is needed. Sure, you can have a super efficient company that has team huddles every two weeks, but a lot of 
SDR notes don't make their way into the CRM. They don't make it to the forefront because SDRs just struggle to put themselves, put their company in front of themselves in the sense that they, if they're gonna, if they got a hard no, they might just let that lead go, mark the status, and move on. Versus giving like detailed feedback and asking why did you know why no or was it the material? A lot of times they'll just stop when they get the no. Um, so to answer your question about marketing remoteness. Uh, overlapping with sales dev, et cetera. Um, I, I think the real A players are going to understand the closer they align to marketing and the closer marketing aligns to empowering them, that's when you have a team really hitting on full stride. It's You don't want the marketing team to think their job is MQLs and what sales dev is doing is separate. Sales to think, well, marketing does one thing, but we do something else and their message is okay, but it's not for what we do. You kind of want that synergy and it goes back to that statement they always overlap, but how they overlap really separates the okay from the grade. Yeah, I think that's I think that's really nicely put. Uh, you know, one of the things that I'm I'm extremely psyched about is this idea of social selling. You know, where yes, we 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 sell, we communicate, we develop our relationships in a closed environment. You know, we're calling, we're emailing, but now also through LinkedIn and through social and you know webinars, YouTube, all these magnificent channels. You know, we can we can put the same content that we might share with one person to the public, you know, and obviously the vibe is a little bit different. Maybe it's kind of less, maybe more general in, in nature. But at the end of the day, you know, you're creating uh, you're using sales content to drive inbound marketing. Um, I have had this experience in my career where every time I start to do outbound marketing, that ultimately morphs to an inbound effort. And now it's just become my goal. Like, what am I doing that's outbound that eventually is going to become inbound? And yeah. uh, it's it's a little bit of an inside joke that I have with myself. But uh, you know, what is your take on this idea of social selling? You know, empowering SDRs to do LinkedIn videos, um, yeah. empowering them to get stuff on social. It, if I could stress one thing to SDRs, it's adopt products like Dub early. Adopt them early. Don't wait. Don't wait till someone forces you to adopt it. You're LinkedIn is not your company's profile. It's yours. That is your growing resume. That will bring you ops. It will bring you commissions in the short term. It'll bring you better jobs in the long term, better connections. Uh, it'll, it'll bring you mentors. If you, I, I just, I, I'm going to sound like a, an old man for a second. I can't stand the people that post every day on LinkedIn with a bunch of emojis just to get likes, but it's really shallow content that you don't take anything away from. If you sincerely want to be a thought leader in your space, make a video, show your ideal client profile that you understand their pains and voice it. If you're spending you know, an hour or two a day adding them and messaging them just because they're not replying, if they added you, even if it's a subset, you know, let's just call it 10% except and they're low level, if you're putting out videos that show that you understand the pains in space and you, you, know, you talk about why them, why now versus why us in these videos, you have no idea of the positive ripple effect of how this can come back to you as an inbound. You have no idea how often that will get you a reply that you didn't even realize. You'll credit it to the email because that's how analytics works and that's how you know the engagement platforms work. But the reality is free impressions are free impressions. And if you are building uh, a profile, again, that's not like, not the shallow likes, who cares about likes? but do it because you're trying to help someone, especially in your industry. I I'm telling you, that is when you rise above everyone else. Um, the the short-term goal 
can of course be to get a meeting per video you create. The long-term goal should be getting connections in that space and you can build a career in that vertical. Mm. Now, I think what's really interesting about your space at, at Abstract is that you cater to a, a niche audience that's growing really fast. <laughs> And, uh, and I think that it's really interesting how you have embarked upon a couple of different methods to kind of communicate with that, with that audience. Can you speak to that? Like, what, what's, what's your, your way of speaking to, to your target audience? Yeah, if I had to, like, put it in the most simple terms, is we are trying to bring to the forefront all the work that's being done in design that people don't historically see. A lot of people try and historically, let's just say they were measured on outputs. We want to maybe measure on outcomes. Uh, I give this lame, lame example, but bear with me because I'll, I'll admit I'm not a professional designer. I, I'm actually fascinated every hour I get to spend with my designers because they are so thoughtful on what they're building. But the number one example I always try and give, let's just think of the like button in social media. If you created the button, did you fulfill your output that week? Yes. Someone checked it off. Gino created a new feature, blah, blah, blah. It gets, goes away. If you look at the engagement levels, the impact that has had on the world, the outcome of the like button is far more, uh, far greater than the output of the like button. Mm. So what we are building, and we actually have a private beta going on right now uh, involving Figma. We are actually trying, and again, I'm keeping it vague on purpose because we're actually not even 100% sure how it will finish. We have a really good idea of the direction we're going in. We're actually right now taking private betas from some very top logos to hear what they want. The reality is we're trying to hear what designers want and how to bring to the forefront who the work around the work, collaboration, and really focusing on strategy. Uh, a lot of designers we talked to said they weren't thought strategically. They were thought for outputs. Mm. And imagine if uh, there's, they have a seat at the table on how the direction the product can move in and physically change the outcome of the entire company. That's what we're building at Abstract. That's remarkable, man. I mean, I'm, I'm really passionate about this space. In fact, I have Sketch and XD on my computer, and I'm, I'm a near power user of, of probably XD. And the reason why that's the case is because we have built our software video messaging platform pretty much entirely based on consumer feedback. You know, we we onboard, we sell, but then we start to listen and we start to say, well, where do people need integrations and where do they want to send videos from? You know, this is how we built our Gmail integration, our LinkedIn integration. And what we have started to do as a company is two times a week at a minimum, we'll have UX meetings and one or many of us will actually open up XD or Sketch and we'll start to actually mock up things, problems, people's feedback, things that they've communicated to us where we want to solve it and improve it. And it's it's been one of the most productive things for us because we can go call 100 people from a sales perspective, but if we go optimize something in our platform, that's that's better than calling 100 people. It's like calling 100 people a week, you know? 100%. And, and uh, just because user experience is, 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 in fact, some of the best marketing or, or sales that you can do. Um, my question for you is, uh, you know, how can we make design, how can we make user experience more connected to the people that have access to the best information, the sales staff? How can we connect design 
UX with sales and remove all the friction that exists there. Because at the end of the day, it's the salespeople that are getting the feedback. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I don't. I guess I have no choice but the elevator pitch the product. Uh, essentially, if you in in a in a nutshell, abstract is visibility and collaboration. Mm. It is one platform. I mean, I, I can even take it further if I wanted to go into like our strategic proposal that we want to consolidate tools. But in addition to consolidating drawing tools and all of that, we want complete visibility on how design both started and how it finished. Um, you you will see very often salespeople commenting on designs. You will see individual, the designers collaborating with different teams, you know, the UI UX team. Uh, essentially, what abstract really is in a, in a nutshell is complete visibility of how the design started and how it got to the finish line. And you have every step of the way. And then in addition to that, you know, no more saving different versions, you know, final, 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 final on this, <laughs> etc. And it's essentially you can, go, and all, uh, pains aside, you can go backward and forward. You know, sometimes you lost the old final and you went back or you made it all the way to the finish line. You can't find the original. Um, that That's the best elevator pitch I can give. And uh, Casey had sales there. I only had sales dev. But if I, if I had to kind of focus on how my team books calls is we are supporting design teams. That's what abstract does and I know it sounds like okay great yeah everyone does that but no no like seriously we want to hear what design teams want we're willing to build it our founder was one of the top designers at Twitter before he branched off and started our company we are designer first we are design first and we really are like uh, we're really I guess two of our pretty proud logos are Capital One and Salesforce and if you watch those brands ever since they started working with us, I don't want to take all the credit. Their designers are fabulous. But but seriously, they are they have strategic seats at the table. And if you look at Capital One and how design has changed their market share, it's undeniable. They have changed the way their app works. They have changed the way the entire product has morphed. And it has resulted in a strategic position change. We think all companies should be thinking about their design team strategically and giving them a seat at the same table. And like you said, connecting them with the sales team, connecting them with the marketing team and mm -hmm. all in one place built around the design. I'll be, I'll be the first to admit, I make comments on our designs that I'm almost embarrassed about because I say things and I'm like, I don't know if I'm reading this right or what the term is, but like, this is my two cents. And like, it'll just be like an image that's maybe complex and how it got there. And I'll just say, hey, from a non-designer, this is how I interpret this image. And a designer will get back to me and be like, wow, that's crazy. I actually didn't even see that image that way until you said it. Mm -hmm. And now I can see how a non-designer would see it that way. And it's just that type of um, unsiloed feedback, work around the work, everything it goes to start design, to finish design, different versions, not you know saving them in different files and different computers. Another use case that we use super popular is onboarding and offboarding. People can see how design has formulated and changed over time, uh, stay on brand, stuff like that. So, yeah, we're doing some really cool stuff. We're running a private beta right now for Figma that we're really excited about. Um, yeah, I've been there just over a year, and it's I've learned a lot because design fascinates me. Um, on nights and weekends, I have a gambling app that I built, and I'm – wasted so much time and money not knowing how to communicate with my designers for the first year. Um, 
And that was one of the main reasons abstract enticed me so much was uh, aside from, and I, again, I'm trying to pull it all the way back. Abstract has been designed first since their beginning. Um, or excuse me, not designed first. They have been designed first. They've been remote first mm. since their beginning as well. So although COVID affects everyone, uh, technically it didn't affect us as much as others. We've had, we have been a remote first company. And the reason which I love that our founder gives, uh, Josh, is that we believe in equality of opportunity. And how can you do that if you're only in cities that people can afford to live in on the coast? And sincerely, we believe we attract better talent because of that. We can, the best person for the job, no matter where they're located in the US, is who gets the job at Abstract. Mm. <laughs> That's the future. Uh, you know, this is, this is like Zapier. Zapier has been an extremely uh, huge evangelist for, for being remote only. <laughs> Not yeah. even remote first, you know, every 100% remote, except for, I think, an annual retreat. And I think that this this is indeed the future. Um, you know, I'll share a quick uh, a quick story before we wrap that I think really um, validates the, the, the problems that you guys are trying to solve at Abstract. Because, you know, as someone that is so connected to design and, and a designer, I am, I am one of the product designers for Dub. I am designing every single day. Uh, you know, the, the, yeah, yeah. So the, the story really is that, you know, just months ago, you know, the our mo one of our mobile app developers brought a design, brought a, 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 a new version of a feature on the Dub mobile app, and he coded it up. There was no design; it went straight from idea to code. And you know, the the screenshots were shared with us. We saw a little screen video, and we said, you know, hold on, like we got to hit the brakes here, like hard hard pause. Because we realized that we had made a terrible mistake because we didn't we didn't empower the the developer to get a design and to get collaboration and information, you know, feedback and all the constituents giving their information. And I, I personally, as a leader, I failed in that moment. And I realized I never wanted to make that mistake again. So I spent uh, you know, an hour or two with him training him on, on how to use XD. And and I remember that that was a catalyst for us as a company because now all of our developers now have a design first mentality of even though I'm a developer and I'm not a designer and if someone gives me an idea I'm not going to go code it I'm going to design it and then maybe it's terrible but at least I can go give go get feedback and then ultimately have a designer put a professional touch on it and uh, you know since that's happened it's changed our game it's it's it there's that less anxiety that that a developer might get like is this not good <laughs> you know yep and I won't give away all the my, my products team would hate me if i said some of these things so i'm gonna pump the brakes but we brought over some very talented execs from github so mm. the direction we are going in will more and more include designers and developers and bake it all into one i'll, I'll say it at that before i get my hand slapped uh Fair but enough. The, the catalyst moment you had is one that many of our paying clients have had and that's one of the many reasons we brought over the the executives, not all of them, obviously, GitHub's a massive company, but we brought in some top execs from over there um, in, the, in 2020. It's been exciting to see the changes. Um, so that, that to me, is the direction we're going in, um, and it's, it's empowering. It, it, mm. it really, seeing it all being built week over week and the changes and the quick shifts and how we use our own product internally, uh, I, as I imagine, like Dub does, so um, that that's been the most exciting part for me because I'll, I'll be the first to admit I did I had no uh, 
no background in design. Mm. I, I had a personal pain for my side hustle building this site, uh, bedopenly.com, and I just know how much time and money I wasted by miscommunicating with my designers, mm. not being on the design, but only seeing finished products and wireframes and stuff. Yeah, well, I think what you guys are doing, which the world needs, is truly democratizing UX, you know, making it accessible by everyone. It doesn't matter what platform you're using. It doesn't matter who you are, where you are. I think that that's, that's the future, and I'm a, I'm a huge believer. I appreciate that, and I'll, I'll pass that to the team. I'd love to hear that. Please, yeah. Well, Gino, thank you so much for your time. Where can uh, folks connect with you on social yeah, uh, ideally keep it to LinkedIn. Uh, Gino Donati, I, I think I'm the only one, uh, if not one of the only ones. Uh, but yeah, G-I-N-O-D-O-N-A-T-I on LinkedIn. You got it right on the screen. So um, I, I'm happy to connect with people. Um, sorry for so many plugs. We also have uh, SDR Ready. It's a free Slack community for anyone that is struggling with remote. Uh, we just passed 1,300 people new to sales. We're pretty unique in the sense that we welcome anyone. There's actually channels for how to properly interview to break into tech. There's channels to learn tech lingo. Um, there's also channels for people that are in, S in sales dev that are struggling to hit their goal. Um, and then there's cold calling channels, video channels, uh, which I've actually plugged Dub on before and asked questions about and gotten good feedback. So um, yeah, it's it's a free community, SDR Ready. The, I, I post about it once a week and my partner and I Ashley Kelly, who heads sales development at Brex, um, her and I head it and we do a wine Wednesday, uh, both wine as in holding wine and then whining like to complain. And all we talk about is all the pains of an SDR with an AE in tech being remote. So uh, that's the, it's an invitation to anyone. Amazing. Well, Gino, thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And I'll see you in the Slack channel, man. Send me a send me a link when you get some time, or I'll do the search myself. And we'll I'll also, yeah, I'll also see you on LinkedIn. Cheers, buddy. Yeah, stick around. I'll uh, we'll share some notes.